This podcast is brought to you by the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, your community foundation, which is focused on one simple goal, to help philanthropists pursue their causes for bettering the lives of people in Louisiana. Welcome to another episode of The Pod. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and today I have the pleasure to welcome in Chantel Varnadeau, the founder of Launch. Chantel is going to talk to us about their mission and how they support children with exceptionalities and their families through individual and group therapy sessions, support groups, and religious education. Keep listening to learn more about Chantel and the work she leads at Launch. Chantel, welcome to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad you're here. So let's just get this out of the way. How did you decide to follow this path in your life? So it started, um, I was a speech pathologist in Livingston Parish Public Schools, and my husband's job moved us to Virginia. And so while I was there, I worked for VCU Mm -hmm. and their children's hospital. And I learned that families were driving a long way to get to resources in town. People that lived in rural areas were driving a long way into the city. And so it made me think about Denham Springs and Livingston Parish and what resources we were missing at home. And so when we moved back, I got my PhD at LSU and go Tigers. (laughs) And when I was nearing the completion, I started making plans to be a professor at a university, started applying and it just didn't sit right. Mm. And so with one night with a lot of prayer, I couldn't sleep thought my husband was going to kill me for not having a job when I finished. And that night, I wrote an entire business plan, had a name, logo. I was ready to go by the time he woke up the next morning. And so I broke the news to him that morning. And he's been completely supportive throughout. Now, we're going we're gonna to get to the story of lunch. But, but from that kind of initial late night sort of, you know, brain dumping session on, on what this was going to be, how much has come to fruition of what you originally dreamed? It is exponentially more than what I had planned. We started in Immaculate Conception Church in Mm -hmm. Denham Springs. They have... They don't have religious education in the school system like private schools Mm -hmm. do in Baton Rouge. So the children go to public school during the day, religious education at night. So we took over their religious education classrooms during the day, moved clinic in during the day, and then moved it out at night for them to use it as what it was intended. And so that was our initial plan. Um, We had one speech, one OT, and one PT. And from there, now we have 27 employees. So it has grown very quickly. (laughs) So walk us through kind of the mission of launch. And, and, you know, again, why was it so important to have this resource in uh, a rural area like Denham Springs? So it's our mission to help exceptional children lead extraordinary lives. And what that means is we do offer speech, occupational, and physical therapy, but we also offer services beyond what's covered by insurance and Medicaid. So that could mean a lot of things. It could be additional therapy. It could be social groups. It could be parent support, adaptive equipment. When the parents come in the office and say, I need, I try to find a way to make that happen. It may be fundraising. It may be writing a grant. It, it could be finding a special donor that I'm familiar with, and he can help me out sometimes. We all do that in 
the nonprofit world. You know, mm-hmm. we know who our people are. And I'm really lucky to live in a community that supports Launch and our people. Tell us a little, I mean, the Baton Rouge area and other kind of, you know, major kind of cities and, and communities that maybe accessing these resources can be a, a little bit easier, although we'll, we'll get into that. I don't think it's always so simple. Mm-hmm. But but especially there, what, what are the challenges for families that um, have students, have children with exceptionalities? What, what are you seeing that they go through on a daily basis? So prior to launch, the services were in Baton Rouge. And so families would drive to Baton Rouge to get services or not go at all. Mm -hmm. So when I worked in the school system, most of the children that I served only got school system services, which were great, but it, it wasn't the extent of what they might have needed due to the complexity of whatever their diagnosis might be. As far as now, the kids that launched these were 87% received Medicaid. And so that means a lot. There was a Medicaid expansion called TEFRA. So families who have children where they previously might not have qualified for Medicaid because of income, now if they have a lifelong disability, they potentially can qualify for that. And so that's made that Medicaid number significantly larger. But as I said before, we do bill insurance and Medicaid. But given that high incidence of lower income families also, it's hard for them to drive to Baton Rouge, to take off work, to check their kids out of school, to receive therapy services. And so it's so important for us to be close to home, close to school, so the children can live as typical a life as possible without pulling them out for a whole day to drive to Baton Rouge for services. Sure. Give us a sense of kind of numbers. How many families are you seeing? What What's sort of the prevalence of kind of exceptionalities that, that are presenting? Statistically, 10% of children have some type of disability. At launch right now, we serve, we have over 400 active patients. Oh. So that might mean we see them um, once a week, twice a week. We have some children that come three times a week. We have other children that come every other week um, or on an as-needed basis. It depends on what their need is. And again, you know, we want to do what they need. So if, for example, insurance may only give them 20 visits a year and they have a disability or an exceptionality such as autism, then they need more than 20 visits a year to make any type of progress. So we fundraise to make up that difference. Mm -hmm. And so if we think they need to be seen twice a week for a year, that's what happens. They come twice a week for a year. So it's a little bit different than what's dictated by the insurance policy, per se. Well, I'm, I'm struck by your mission because you even go beyond that. I mean, we've talked about sort of the, the services you're providing for the parents, for caregivers, also in, in the religious education space. So talk, talk to us about why are those sort of services important if you're, if you're meeting the needs of those children? So families that have children with disabilities have a lot on their plate, just getting by day to day. And they want to participate in all of the things, especially when there's other children involved. So we want them to go to baseball games. We want them to go to church. We want them to participate in community events. And so whatever we can do to help them participate in those activities, we do that. The parent education piece is huge. Right now, we're really excited to be working with Mighty Moms, which is another organization in Livingston Parish, and they work to feed the children of Livingston Parish. And so we're doing a parent education 
piece where we are going to provide with them, as an example, like a HelloFresh box. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be groceries, recipes, tips on how to cook with your children, activities to do with your children. So they're going to have a once a month box for a family of four that they can pick up and learn how to eat a variety of foods, healthy foods, and then also how to play with your kids again. So we're really excited about that. But that parent education piece is really important, whether it's food or behavior or communication or fine motor, all those things are just part of what we do. That's incredible. Talk us through the the sort of journey of, uh, again, going back to that late night session of writing down your business plan to today having over 400 families that are engaged in seeking services, a staff of, you know, nearly three dozen. I mean, that's that's incredible. What, what was that process like of getting started and what were some of maybe the challenges that you had to overcome? So I kind of just, I put it all in God's hands. I It definitely... Where we are today was not my initial plan. We've had the flood. We've had the pandemic. We've had other things that have happened that kind of made the path a little more bumpy than (laughs) might be expected. But in everything, there's been an answer. God's provided the right person at the right time, the right answer, the right direction to go. Um, We have one of our members of the board, our board of directors, Mr. Jimmy Clark, is happens to be friends with a member at BRAF. And so that's how we got connected. And that's how I'm here today. So I would have never got to meet Lauren Crump and her team who has been Shout amazing. They are amazing. If it wouldn't have been for Mr. Dusty in the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. so it's just every little question, there's been an answer. And I've been really lucky that that's happened. Like I said, we did start in the church from there. We had a independent location. We outgrew that space in a year. And then my dad had kind of a strip mall type Mm -hmm. space that had an empty, maybe 1,600 square feet. And so we added and we put people in there. And so we outgrew that space in a year. Then we started like, what are we going to do next? And so last March, we moved into a joint location. So all of the staff is in one location and it's nice for collaboration. It's nice to work. The families don't have to go between the two locations, which is happened in the past. Um, So everybody's there and we're very close to exceeding the capacity of that location. So it's been a whirlwind and just lots and lots of growth and being able to help a lot of families is amazing. Yeah. One one more challenge I know we're going to overcome. You mentioned our work together. Um, I was just joining the foundation about a year ago. And and one of the things I love about what BRAF has done is we've had these kind of partnerships where um, nonprofits who are are seeking some type of growth opportunity for their organization, we've been able to provide almost this sort of one-on-one experience of kind of consulting services and support. And uh, Lauren Crump, who you mentioned, who is now our vice president for nonprofit excellence, is is expanding that work because I think in partnering with with organizations and leaders like you, it really opened our eyes to how do we make these kind of opportunities to to lean in and partner with an organization on a very specific challenge in kind of a truncated time frame. How do we make that available to support other nonprofits doing amazing work in our community? Maybe if you could describe a little bit about what that process was like and 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 what we were working towards together. So I was introduced to Lauren Crump and Lauren Crapazano um, at a meeting, and 
I was very excited to get to meet them and to learn about BRAF and what BRAF did. And they basically interviewed me and found out what our needs were. At the time, I really didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> and I, so they were able to guide me as far as board development. They were um, able to help me, not necessarily with a formal strategic plan, but help me plan for what to do next and directions that we could take. As I said, we are approaching capacity at our current space. So they're helping me work on that right now. And hopefully a formal announcement about that will be coming soon. Um, but the support, Lauren, Lauren will call me weekly. She'll shoot an email, you know, if there's nothing specific to discuss, she's still checking in and making sure everything's in line, everything's progressing. Do I have any questions and that type of thing, which is awesome. And for me, I'm a speech therapist. I'm not a nonprofit, um, executive or, you know, oh, you I, are now. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have that education background. And so it's so wonderful to have that extra support for, so we can make good decisions and make a good plan for the future for launch. I think that's such an important point. I mean, Lauren uh, says this a lot, you know, every nonprofit is a business, but not every business is a nonprofit. And yeah. It's really that that sort of marriage of the the passion and and the faith that that you've really grounded your work in with a sort of seriousness of if we can't develop and execute a plan, if we can't be sustainable, then we're not going to be there to deliver what these families desperately need. So while you may not have had that as formal training, you certainly have been taking the steps to overcome the challenges and grow into what is a very successful organization. Absolutely. That with the new building space, one of the things that Huey and Angelina Wilson Foundation was able to do was help us with the remodel. So it was previously a dental office. Mm. And so as you can imagine, it was individual rooms with all the plumbing and electric and no real open space for a gym. And the foundation helped us with a grant and to be able to remodel that space and make it work for what we launched needed. So that's been really neat to see just the transformation of the physical space, which allows us to see more kids. Yeah, no, I mean, it takes incredible partnerships like uh, the Hugh and Angelina Wilson Foundation. They, they're incredibly close partners of ours. And I think it's, it's especially for a community. I mean, we're one that, like you've mentioned, others who are kind of your angels that you can go to it it really does take a community effort to solve some of these these challenges absolutely and everybody can help we have hairdressers that come in and help us do haircuts and dentists that let us go to our office and help transition the kids to the dental chair it doesn't have to be contractors you know build a building it could be something small like um, a haircut or a teeth cleaning or something like that when, when these things happen are, are you you know you mentioned earlier the sort of mighty moms are you are you seeking out these partnerships or they come to you is it a little bit of both it's a little bit of both mighty moms um dawn birdsong is who I work with, with um, Mighty Moms. And she was in the office one day with a patient and I recognized her from Facebook or social media. And I just introduced myself and that expanded into what this new project is. And that project is called Feeding Young Minds. Mm. We're really excited about the potential growth for that. That's incredible. Going back to kind of the families and 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 how families get get resources or are are informed. What sort of challenges are you seeing, particularly in Livingston Parish, 
for families that um, are struggling to kind of identify what to do for their their children? What, what are they going through? Wait list, whether it's school system or therapy services or doctor's offices, when the primary care doctor refers a child out for services, most often their next step is six months away. For us right now, we have 126 kids on our wait list and another over 100 waiting for a certain appointment time that would coordinate with their school schedule. And so I know um, the developmental pediatrician's office is about eight months out in Baton Rouge. Oh, wow. So it, the school system, we have recently, you know, they've, they're booked out through the end of the school year. And so they're starting to schedule into next school year. So that's a few months out. So even when they're very first identified, it takes a long time to start getting services. So I just beg, beg and plead parents, don't wait. Um, a lot of times they want to wait and see. But if you get to that point and you're on a wait list and they call and say, are you ready for an appointment? If you don't need it, then you can just sure don't take the appointment and that's okay. But I would much rather somebody be on the wait list as soon as there is a concern so we can get them in as soon as possible. What What's the gap there what, from your perspective? What, why are, are we not uh, meeting the sort of demand of, of needs from families? Is it a funding issue? Is it not enough folks are being trained, enough providers or enough providers in maybe a nonprofit space versus a, a larger kind of hospital or clinical setting? What, what, what seems to be some of the gaps? I do think hiring is an issue. For me, um, I currently have a speech and occupational therapy position open. As far as developmental pediatrician, a lot of times they'll have to go to New Orleans for a shorter wait list, but in Baton Rouge specifically, there's a longer wait list. Neurology is becoming quicker. Um, both um, Our Lady of the Lake and Oshner have hired um, new staff recently, so that wait list is actually getting better. Thank goodness. <laughs> but it's the capacity. And it it's Baton Rouge. It's not just rural mm. Denham Springs or Livingston Parish. It's it's Baton Rouge as a whole. If resources weren't the issue, what would you be adding to support those that are on wait lists in your community? More speech, occupational and physical therapy, um, behavioral support, whether it be ABA or psychology, ABA is applied behavior analysis mm -hmm. that's often um, prescribed for children with autism and also mental health. So our families, our parents need a lot of support and they need extra help, whether it's counseling or how to interact with their children or discipline their children or interact with their children. That extra support for coping with these diagnoses are, is really needed, especially out in our area. What are some of those um, experiences like when you have those parent support groups or, you know, some of those kind of trainings to, to sort of help educate parents on, on you know, how to um, properly sort of instruct their kids? What, what, what do those look like? So it's different every time. We're always surprised. Um, in a recent um, grant we're doing with Huey and Angelina, their Engage grant, we did a screener among all of our families about what do you need right now? And we had families that brought up homelessness, groceries, clothing, 
and we were ready for the behavior support. Hmm. That's what we were prepared to handle. So before we even got to the behavior support, we started dealing with the basic needs. And then now we're working towards those other things where the Feeding Young Minds plan's coming in. Yeah. Was that the um, first screener you all done? It is. Okay. So we interview parents when we um, – when patients come in for an initial evaluation, we have an interview, parent interview, but we didn't ask the right questions. And so when we opened it up to after that initial evaluation and the diagnosis part is off the table, what else do you need? Then that's when these other things came into play. And we weren't prepared for that, but now we know, and we're making steps to address those needs. Who are some of the, you've, you've mentioned a couple of partners, but who are some other partners that you've turned to with kind of those data and those needs? Capital Area United Way has some resources, mm-hmm. the 211. Mm-hmm. And then both Intergy and Demco have plans or things in process in place to help with electric bills. We also have Uber cards and Lyft cards and gas cards in the clinic. So when um, someone's cars broke down, then, you know, they can get a ride or a lot of our families are one car families. So if somebody needed to go to work, the child misses therapy. So in this way we can help out with that. Those are, those are the big things that we've been able to address. Well, and just incredible that, um, again, you are so mission focused that you're solving all the barriers that would prevent a family from getting the services they need. And, and again, the probably not maybe initially what you thought you were signing up for, but I'm just in awe of of leaders like you who think about the sort of total spectrum that if we're going to get to solving or delivering on the real mission, we have to address the other things in front of us. Meet people where they are. I always tell my staff all the time, and we don't know what that might be as we're learning through this process with the Engage Grant. You've mentioned a couple of ways that that you know people listening, people in the community can help. But I, I wonder if you'll share kind of again what what are ways that if people want to support Launch, how can they support you? Definitely check us out on Facebook. We, I try to keep that up to date so it's easy to see what's coming next. We just finished. I have to give a shout out to the Town of Livingston Police Department. They did an uh, autism awareness event over the month of April. And today, before I came here, they gave us a check for $10,000. Oh, wow. And they had puzzle pieces, vinyl, put on their cars for each $25. That's a lot of $25 <laughs> that were put over there on their units. And then their badges, um, businesses sponsored their badges, and they had blue powder coating on their police mm-hmm. badges. And then they you know, met at the elementary schools. I know they went to Walker Elementary School and some other um, events. They came to our office and met with some of our children. I did a education, an occupational therapist, um, Caitlin Schneider and I went to the police officers and met with them, their mayor, about how they can best interact with our kids in a time of distress. One of our kids who's 15 came with us and they were able to interview him and ask him questions about what would make him more comfortable and um, things like that. Um, So that was really great. So also coming up is our launch Big Wig Ball, which is going to be really fun. Um, Every year we have a gala and it's usually themed and this year it's big wigs. And so it's cocktail attire and your 
wildest, craziest wig, but um, guests will get to meet some of the big wigs, the launch big wigs that have benefited from gala funds. And so they'll be dressed up and meeting the donors and sponsors. And um, First Guarantee Bank is our title sponsor for that event. That's incredible. Chantel, before we get you out of here, I, I wonder if there's a a story that when you think back of the kind of journey over um, the last several years that really sort of keeps you going when you kind of reach those moments of um, a new obstacle, new bump in the road, what, what, what sort of continues to give you hope and faith in, in this mission? That's so hard. There's so many. But I think specifically of just the moms that sit in my office and say, I don't know what to do. I need help. And they really don't know what question to ask and they don't know where to start. And it's a problem solving, seeing what they need and making those connections of people. I was born and raised in Denham Springs. I know a lot of people. And then because of my other affiliations, I have these connections that always seem to step up for our families back to the um, engage screener like I thought I was going to be working with mental health and behavior and it kind of turned around to we're going to be homeless in two weeks because the husband had a seizure and couldn't work for six weeks and so they couldn't pay their rent and so the things that we're able to help with that aren't speech and occupational and physical therapy but families with children with disabilities are more likely to be in poverty are more likely to be that Alice population Mm -hmm. and so Often they can only, one um, parent is able to work um, because of the doctor's appointments and the therapy appointments and all the things that go along with the diagnosis. And so if we're able to support those people and help them meet the needs of their family, we want to empower those parents to meet the needs of their families. 100%. And it's just so rewarding. Well, we are so grateful that you and your husband, your family decided to move back from Virginia because you certainly are a shining light for our entire region. So thank you. Thank you. And I have to say, it's my whole family. My my sister helps with the gala. My I had my 94-year-old uncle made a piece of equipment for us. He works with wood, and he made an occupational therapy tool for us for therapy. Uh, when It's just everybody in the community, and all of my family is pretty amazing. My mom does the handiwork. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's what, it makes, takes everybody. That's what makes Louisiana so special exactly. in this region in particular. So um, she was doing AC work yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we hopefully soon we'll have some announcements that help on those fronts. But, um, again, I, I'm, I'm, um, excited to watch you continue to grow because, um, unfortunately the need is great, but absolutely you're an amazing inspiration. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure. For those listening in, how can they get in touch with you? So our email is office at launch, L-A-U-N-C-H, peds, like pediatrics, P-E-D-S dot com. Our phone number is 225-380-1894. And if you are in need of services, your doctor um, can fax referrals to the office, um, which is 225-380-1896. Awesome. And we'll make sure all that information's up on our website when this comes out. Thanks so much. Chantel, thank you again for joining us on this episode of The Pod. For more information about the work of Launch, please visit their website at launchpeds.com, L-A-U-N-C-H-P-E-D-S.com. As always, thank you for listening in. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and our mission is to elevate the stories, people, and ideas making Baton Rouge 
and Louisiana a better place. Until next time. To learn more about the Baton Rogeri Foundation, please visit our website at braf.org and become a member today.